this is Howard Scrumwell, and I'm talking to you from the training camps of Agile Framework Fight Night. Here, there are teams from Safe, Less, Fast, Agile, and Dad working out, preparing for the upcoming fight. We are on site at Scale Agile Framework, and let's hear how Barry the Blizzard gets his team prepared for the upcoming fight. All aboard! Agile release train! All aboard! Come on, make it snappy! This is an art, not a sleeper car! Tonight, it appears this will be a match of massive malevolence about how to scale Agile in stellar proportions of stupendous that you've never seen here ever hey can we get that guy out of here i want to cue the podcast let's give this thing a listen this is the agile thoughts podcast and i'm lance kind this is a continuing episode for the agile framework fight night series bout two this fight night was hosted in seattle by beyond agile a meetup that you can find at meetups.com. Like the first Agile Framework Fight Night, we brought together another winning panel of experts who really want to win and represent their framework. And the frameworks we have are... In the far corner, representing Discipline Agile Delivery, we have Ricardo Garcia, out of doom. Come on, Dad. Let's go get him, Dad. In the other corner, representing Fast Agile, we have Ron Quartel, Crocodile, Ron D. In the other side of the ring, surrounded by several million BTUs of air conditioning, is Team Safe. Represented by Barry L. Smith, known to his fans as Barry the Blizzard. Say, 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 say. And in the other corner, an asture part of the corner, is Team Less. And representing Less is Victor Grigit. The Simplifier. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. And the moderation was done by yours truly, Lancer Kind. The Unkind. Joel Robinson talks about his Scrum experience and, and, and to address dependencies, he proposed a solution at scale where they set aside a third of their capacity to work on to clear dependencies first before starting on their own. Nice. He says it wasn't a fancy solution, but it eliminated the gridlock. Somebody named Crocodile Ron said fast manages complexity with complexity. It creates complex adaptive systems and represents working complex representation. 
Neil Peterson mentions dynamic reteaming, I think in response to probably Ron. Uh, teams of Teams by General Stanley. Some people are chatting about that. Oh, Barry the Blizzard, whoever, whoever that is, says waterfall planning attempts to be highly predictive over a long timeline and break complicated or complex work into a sequence of series of phases. PI planning focuses on a reasonable time frame and to allow just enough planning. The work will be delivered by cross-functional teams, delivering increments of value every sprint. Say, what say. else do we have? Tuckman was wrong by Doc Norton. And Hackman, Leading Teams, is a book that contradicts, I'm not sure. Yeah, I can explain. I think it's a, um, uh, so I was almost uh, worried that, uh, that uh, um, what Ron explains about fast is basically the same thing in behind less, but uh, now I found a, a, a clear difference. <laughs> so the, the one thing which I'm curious about, uh, the other books are not that familiar uh, about reteaming, but uh, whether they are based on actual research. And it's pretty amazing uh, what I hear because uh, there is a lot of research on stability on teams. And uh, Hackman, Richard Hackman is, um, quite regarded uh, regarding amount of effort put in place to actually do the research on stability of teams. And the message is very clear. Uh, stable teams, long-lived teams, are simply way more effective. Uh, so the, what you explain is an exact contradiction to that. And um, now the question is whether it's based on research or based on anecdotal evidence. So the, the thing is that uh, what I do notice, obviously, in reality, is not entirely black-white. Uh, when we talk about uh, like a group of teams, like, I don't know, uh, 50 people around that maximum then if you have a reteaming within that group, then um, negative uh, effects are minimal or non-existent. In fact, actually, quite often is positive effect. Uh, because those people have the same working agreements, uh, similar way of working, they know each other really a lot, uh, they know what to, how to work together, etc. Et so, so when you re-team that group into a new set of teams, then um, there, is a very, uh, there is actually could be a positive effect. So in that sense, I, I would agree uh, with Ron. Uh, but if, you, if you're dealing with the people who do not have all this sharing at such a high level, uh, then you're basically destroying the, the asset uh, by uh, re-teaming. Okay. Uh, can I answer that one? Uh, yeah, let's go. Hey, Paige, let's do two more minutes. Yeah, so I did mention some books there. Heidi Offens is probably the best for actual like research and data into into dynamic theming and dynamic reteaming. And and I like to give the example of a hackathon. So there's a group of hundred developers show up at an event. They may not know anyone there. They see some people on the stage saying, "Here's what I'm going to do." They look at that and they go, oh, "Okay, that one sounds interesting." They show up to whoever that was that announced it. Four other people show up as well. They've never met for each other, and yet in two days they work, uh, they produce working software. So they bond very quickly over a, a shared vision and their, their shared love. So I, I like to use hackathons as an example of, hey, you know, dynamically formed teams can work. Yes, but that sounds to me anecdotal evidence. I'm not saying they don't work, I'm just saying it, it's, it, it's less efficient that you know, I will put my money on a team that oh, got yes. together to hackathon and stayed together and worked through some of the dynamics of working effectively as a team, which generally can't yeah. happen in just a couple of days. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll put those people up against anybody who just gets together on a weekend. Yeah. Two answers, efficiency versus effectiveness, right? So yeah, safe, go for efficiency. Fast, go for effectiveness. Like they are diametrically opposite, um, so yes. Fast is really not aimed at, at, at efficiency at that level. Um, in fact, quite often we're doing parallel experimentation on purpose. We, we were able to, to facilitate that. 
What was the other one I was going to say? Um, dynamic teams. Hey, Cybron oh, yeah. is thinking. I just want to make a, a quick comment because people think that Agile is all about speed and efficiency. And from my point of view, actually, Agile is about quality, right? Once you achieve quality work, by definition, you're going to have a team that is effective and is going to gain velocity or it can be able to deliver it faster by not going over a ton of defects and other issues. So we should focus in quality and then speed and acceleration will come later. And that's uh, very important. And a single small team is difficult to create a full quality process. And don't kill me with this comment, but it's a reality in a large enterprise. So I agree also with Joel about less and fast and how those actually complement. And I would love to give some time to Joel to talk a little more on his comment. Uh, let's see here. Data Doom is inviting somebody onto the stage. Joel, let's just jump at that. What's going on, Joel? Just having fun uh, riffing on what I'm hearing here. I, I really am caught on the on the fence here between dynamic versus uh, long-lived teams, and I feel like I can agree completely with Ron's perspective and the perspective of the I don't know the simplifier's name, but uh, <laughs> so. no. The long-lived teams makes a lot of sense to me. And so what I put in a, in a comment is, in my experience, you don't get to work with rock star. I don't mean rock star in the like arrogant sense, but just great at writing good code and writing good tests and learning how to learn and all the things that we're looking for, skill set for a, a good agile team member. I think that something like an ongoing hackathon like Fast could could really work well because the people would look forward to the opportunity and the re, you know the reinvigoration that happens when you re-team with different people and learn from them. I think that that would could work really well. But back to the so-called real world where you work with the more generic cross-section of development talent, I think that the the longer you get to work with the same set of people, you start to learn how to work with those people better and you get to a working set of people to be part of over time. And, and so I think if you can work with your A-list a developers, I want to I be part of a fast team, no, no question about it. But please let me know if any, anybody's hiring for a fast organization, because I've had a hard time locating place. And, but we're, we're kicking the tires on it at where I'm at now. I'm thinking about giving it a try. So maybe I already worked there. Thank you, Joel. All right. Way to rush the stage there, Joel. And you didn't even bring a chair yeah, and Joel. hit anybody with it. So. <laughs> I will pay you later, okay? <laughs> okay. I, uh, I remember the other point is that in, in fast, like once we say team, teams are, are dynamic, they are. But the, what we actually observed is that they people form cliques and they form semi-sticky teams. The most... What typically happens is uh, Joel says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start on this work item. And there's a group of people that like working with Joel. They show up and, and they will work, stay with that work item through as many value cycles or iterations it takes to get that done. That's what we usually see. So it is mostly uh, we call semi-sticky. The other aspect of, of FAST is that we address mastery directly. 
and we say, hey, if you're part of a fast tribe, we want you to be excellent at your craft. So you will, as a tribe, find time for mastery. So what does that mean? So as a, as a, a development guild is going to form, or, or guilds, or you know, where we have Carter time, and we work together. So then we get to know, we, we get to all come up as a tribe and we get to see, we get to meet other people and see how they work and so forth. Agile Grande teaches you systems thinking through dramatic storytelling, such as Carter takes a job to improve a logistics company's adaptability, but efforts to scale agile practices are being blocked by Mr. Chernesky, a vice president who's organized the company into siloed pigeonholes in order to secretly make millions with a dark web shipping service. Carter's life is in danger, he goes underground, and a spy agency hunts for him. When Carter uses systems thinking, systems modeling, and organizational change to save his company and his life, you get to learn how to apply that to your organization as well. Get your free copy of Agile Grande at leanpub.com. This episode is just one of many of the Agile Framework Fight Night Bout 2 series. If you're like my friend Bob and you missed the first episode, go to the show archive by searching for Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive and you will find the start of the series at episode 155. In the next episode, the panelists fight over the following question. What about the typical organization that What's the impact to it of adopting your framework? It's a, it's a very large impact because it's essentially an um, um, organizational design framework. So when somebody says less, what they actually mean, if they understood the message, is they need to change uh, the structure, organizational structure. So the impact is really, really large. But on the other hand, does it mean uh, all or nothing or something like that? Or uh, often uh, less is labeled mistakenly as some kind of a ideal uh, pure and this kind of uh, things. Um, no, uh, I mean, it, uh, depending on a setup, depending on a situation, it, take, it can take years before you end up with uh, something like a truly end-to-end customer-centric feature teams.